Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to part one of a special two-part edition of the Pro Wrestling Index covering the WWE Draft, as well as our predictions for WWE Battleground and answering your Twitter questions. This is a long edition of the show, but we leave no stone unturned, and that's why we are delivering to you in two parts instead of just one. So in part one of this edition of the Pro Wrestling Index, Mo Chatra and myself are covering the WWE Draft. Enjoy. Welcome to a supersized edition of the Pro Wrestling Index. We have a lot to talk about, and a lot of polarized reaction exists around the internet wrestling community regarding the WWE Draft. And by polarized, I don't mean Roman Reign polarized. I mean actual polarized. I'm your host, Matt Topolsky, joined as always by my co-commentating colleague from across the pond, Mo Chatra. Mo, what a big week of news it has been. (laughs) <laughs> you can say that again, Matt. It's been amazing. Um, so many talking points over the last few days. So much debate and discussion all over the internet. It's just gone absolutely nuts. And uh, just to prove that point, um, you're only a few minutes before we started recording this, put the uh, um, tweet out there for uh, our listeners to come in with questions. And Twitter just exploded. It's just been inundated with questions, so we can come on to those later on. But yeah. it just shows the level of interest that has been generated by the brand split. Lots of uh, varying opinions back and forth. Um, so, yeah, it should be a lively show. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about it is that's exactly what WWE wants. They want us talking about it. They want us watching. They want people engaged. They want the attention. I mean, obviously, that's what this is all about. And now they'll have five hours of live programming on the USA Network, Mondays and Tuesdays combined every single week. I mean, that is incredible. We're talking about 20 hours of live programming a month from the WWE that's not on the network. So um, if you are a fan of sports entertainment, you have to be excited about this. But was everyone excited about the draft itself? I don't think so. Like I said, a lot of polarized reactions, and we're going to break down our reactions and our review of the WWE draft itself in just a few minutes. But why don't we get started by talking about SmackDown Live? Let's get right into it. Um, SmackDown Live aired Tuesday night live on the USA Network here in the States. And um, the show got kicked off immediately by the first and second round draft picks. The first being Seth Rollins, number two being Dean Ambrose. And later on in the night, they would settle once and for all who is 
the WWE champion. If you review just a little bit, the night prior to that, there was a controversial finish in the main event between the two of them, prompting a rematch to be scheduled. And um, so here we are, Mo. It's SmackDown Live Tuesday nights. I got to tell you, I was actually very impressed by the overall presentation, not only of the show, how fast the show seemed to move, but what was going on on the WWE Network as well. There was a second screen experience during the show. There was a pre-show before the draft show began on the USA Network. And then there was a post-show where drafts continued to be made for the next hour afterwards. So from a presentation standpoint, I was very impressed. What say you? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I like that um, you know the network specials were done in a very nice way that complemented um, the SmackDown live show on the USA Network um, over in the States and on Sky Sports over in the UK. Um, so so that was that was quite good. And Renee Young and of course your uh, good friend and colleague uh, Booker T did a fantastic job amongst uh, various others to join him um, before and after that show. Um, I sort of expected SmackDown to debut its new set um, and it was just the same as usual. So I'm guessing that they might look to do that next week when it's a fully split um, show in its own right run, one that featured both Raw and SmackDown talents. Um, so I kind of forgave him for that after a couple of minutes of being a bit annoyed that we didn't have anything new. Um, but yeah, I mean, the presentation of it was good and as a show, um, it flowed very well. And, um, you know, kept things moving quite nicely with all the um, announcements for uh, picks for Raw and SmackDown, you know, every, every segment pretty much. So, so that, that was very well formatted. And as a show, uh, in that regard, it was, it was good. Yeah, and I thought the show moved along extremely well. Um, the matches were a little bit shorter, as they had to be, because it's a two-hour show and you have the draft going on in between it as well. But um, I thought that the show moved along, honestly, at a lightning pace. I mean, by the time the first hour had passed, I mean, I was looking around like, wow, really? Like an hour's passed already? I mean, it didn't didn't feel at all like it was dragging on like like we may experience from watching Raw on many occasions. Um, so I, I, I like that. Also, you know, the WWE Championship uh, being defended in the main event once again. I thought that was a, a, a great thing. You can't go wrong with Seth Rollins being in the main event. Um, here's one thing I do want to get your thoughts on, though, because we talk about presentation. What did you think of the four-man booth for this show? Well, surprisingly, I thought it worked reasonably well. I mean, Me too. <laughs> there, there's actually that danger that even with a three-person commentary team, um, there's a possibility of commentators talking over one another. That never sounds good, um, and certainly that risk is heightened with four. Um, but they, they actually timed it really well, and I can't even recall one moment where they you know, noticeably talked over one another so that you couldn't hit, make out what they were saying. So, so that actually was quite well done, and I don't know if it was because of um, people in the griller position, uh, namely Vince, um, making sure that only one person at time spoke or if they agreed it beforehand about some way of doing it, but whatever way it, it worked. So, so that was quite good. That said though, I mean, I wouldn't like to see that as a permanent thing, um, certainly on weekly TV, but actually for, for the largest shows like a SummerSlam or WrestleMania, that, that may not be a bad idea on have, um, two separate commentary teams, uh, you know, for talking over the Raw matches or the SmackDown matches on those larger shows, maybe have a combined 
and commentary duo, uh, sorry, a quartet even, and uh, that that might be a, a nice way to do it. Well, see that I I I don't know how I feel about that because you know how I feel about the three man booth, uh, doing doing a four man booth on a more regular basis um, uh, for the pay per views or what have you. I I, I don't know. I, I will say this much. Um, I was really surprised that Michael Cole wasn't talking over Mauro Ronaldo. Um, I was really surprised at how how civil and how well everyone seemed to work with each other at the commentating table. But um, I wouldn't press my luck if I were WWE production in, in, in that standpoint. And um, uh, Ronaldo is a breath of fresh air uh, when it comes to these shows. He really is. I wasn't sure exactly how Mauro Ronaldo was going to fit into WWE at first because of how they had trained their announcers in the past and the, the specific announcing style that they look for. But I think he's perfect for SmackDown, especially with the more wrestling-based product that, as Shane McMahon alluded to, they're going to present on SmackDown Live. I think Ronaldo is perfect for that. Um, and I have some news regarding the announcer changes. So since we're talking about it, let's, let's um, just get into it right now. And then we'll discuss the picks a little bit more in this draft. But um, it looks like the official announcer changes effective immediately um, will be Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxton, the three-man team on Raw, and Mauro Ronaldo, JBL, and David Otunga on SmackDown. Your thoughts about these pairings, Mo? Well, it was good that they freshened things up. I thought that um, as much as I enjoyed JBL, I felt that he was getting a bit stale, actually, on Raw. Um, now it's nice that he drops these um, references to wrestlers and other talents from the dim and distant past. Um, but as a pairing with Michael Cole, I really didn't feel that that dynamic was working fantastically well anymore. So the fact that he's shifted over to work with Mara Ronaldo on SmackDown, um, that, that certainly opens up um, some intriguing possibilities. And I think they'll actually make quite a good pairing. Corey Graves has been... Uh, a revelation on commentary on NXT, um, fantastic commentator, um, really um, ha- takes a really good approach to it, researches very clearly in a, in a smart way and um, has been very instrumental in putting over the NXT talents and, uh, you know, thoroughly well-deserved uh, for his part. And, um, you know, I'm glad to see that he's promoted to the flagship show. Um, in terms of how he'll work with Michael Cole, um, given that, obviously, he's he's a heel type commentator. Um, yeah, it, it might work. It might work. It might not. Um, you know, Michael Cole still could slip into that sort of heel character, even though obviously it's far less pronounced as it was perhaps five years ago, and it was full full on heel. Um, but uh, so that, that that should be fine. I mean, Byron Saxton, you know, is just a generic uh, commentator and uh, doesn't really add a great deal. And um, you know, I mean, let me ask you a question. What is Byron Saxton doing out there? I mean, when I look at Byron Saxton, I, I, I think of a creative player on a video game. You know, it's just like a, just just a blank slate, you know. And, and it's, so I, I mean, for me, Byron Saxton is 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 literally regurgitating everything that's being put into his headset. And and if I if you got Cole and Graves on the show, you got Cole who can be a straight play-by-play man. He can clearly do play-by-play and sell products at the same time. He can sell people on getting the network if they don't have it already. And I'm pretty sure everyone watching, you know, if they haven't gotten it by now, they're not going to. Um, and then you have Corey Graves, who's a heel color guy. What do you need Saxton out there for anyway? 
Well, I think in very, very simple terms, and speaking as a minority, I, I think the WWE feels that it needs to have um, a diverse uh, representation on its announcer. Oh, team. wow. So you're saying he's out there as, 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 a, as a token black announcer? Well, that's right. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. That's why. That's what I think. Um, you know, and, and if they want somebody, whether it's um, a Hispanic person or um, a black person on the commentary team, um, that's fine. But you know, they had a very good one in Booker T, and um, I don't understand why they don't continue to use him on either Raw or SmackDown. Um, with a tongue, I've not really listened enough to his work. I mean, obviously, he's only been commentating the last few weeks, uh, filling in here and there with. You know, Jerry Lawler being out, etc., uh, for a short time whilst he was suspended. But um, again, I've not been reading rave reviews about his work either. So, um, you know, whilst it, it's fine that, you know, these guys are out there, um, you know, they need to really be able to add stuff. I mean, they're inexperienced enough that you can say that, okay, maybe with a couple more years of um, time at the commentary table, um, they'll certainly improve. Uh, but at this moment in time, you know, if you're going to have three people on that commentary team, that third person needs to be adding something a little bit different to the other two. And I'm just not hearing it. I'm not seeing what added value either of the two, two are adding on the commentary teams. Um, you know, the other thing you've got to bear in mind is um, WWE very much focuses on image and, um, you know, they're like, you know, good looking guys and both Byron and, uh, David Atunga are. So, you know, that's another thing that they're thinking perhaps that having nice presentable commentators um, helps with the image of the show. Um, but in terms of the quality of their work and the commentary that they bring, um, I just don't see it and I don't get it. So, um, but as I say, they've got time to improve, time to start adding something new. Um, but, you know, it doesn't help when you've got Vince McMahon screaming down their ear every every minute so uh you know if he relaxes a little bit and allows them to be who they are and can be then you know may maybe they would perhaps come out of their shows and say something interesting once in a while i think that's one of the best things about Corey graves you look at Corey graves the way he presents himself i mean Corey graves loves tattoos he's got an alternative look um he's a good looking guy he's um uh, a former uh performer himself uh former worker um, so he can add an, uh, an analysis and, and something, you know, th things that he's, if you're looking at it from a kayfabe perspective, if you're looking at this and saying, Hey, this is a legitimate sport, or that's how we want to present this. Uh, Corey Graves is really the perfect storm as a commentator. And from the way he looks and having the alternative look and the tattoos and all that Corey Graves is, it is what it is. So he can't be anything other than himself. Um, so for them to feed him anything that, that, that may be inauthentic to his own character and his own persona, it wouldn't work anyway. So I think that's one of the things that makes Corey Graves really good. And I think Corey Graves is, gonna is, is going to evolve into um, probably one of their best, if not their second best broadcaster uh, behind Ronaldo. And that's why I was hoping we'd see Graves and Ronaldo on SmackDown um, and do it as a two-man team. I thought they would have been dynamite together. Um, you know, I don't want to beat up on Byron Saxton too much. Uh, he's a good guy. He's a professional, um, and he could very well play the straight man for uh, Corey Graves. So, I mean, he could just be Corey Graves' punching bag the way he was JBL's punching bag. And if that works well on commentary, then so be it. Um, I am interested to see what David Otunga brings to the table on the SmackDown um, uh, commentating team because he's a very educated guy. He's got a diverse background. 
and um, he may bring something to the table uh, that wasn't there before. So we'll see. These are interesting pairings, though, and they indicate to me that WWE is at least on their broadcast side uh, of uh, of the ring taking this brand split um, a little bit more seriously. So yeah. uh, now, now that we've covered that, let's talk about the picks themselves because I think that's where there's a lot of um, polarizing reaction. A lot of people are upset. Some people are, are content, but I don't think anybody can sit here and say based on the draft itself, the picks themselves, that they are elated by what WWE did here. So Seth Rollins went number one. Dean Ambrose went number two. Charlotte at three, which was a shocker to me. Not taking anything away from Charlotte, but going that high on the board was surprising. AJ Styles went to SmackDown with the fourth pick. We saw Finn Balor being chosen from NXT. If you remember, there were six competitors from NXT that could come up. John Cena was taken by SmackDown at the seventh pick. So Cena will be moving to SmackDown now, uh, the biggest name in the company. Roman Reigns taken with the sixth pick by Raw. Orton goes to SmackDown. Lesnar to Raw. Bray Wyatt goes to SmackDown. And then the New Day over at Raw. So those are the top ten picks. Uh, You can go out there and you can find all of them on WWE.com if you want to run down the whole list. Uh, Mo, why don't we start with this? What about this draft surprised you the most? Well, what surprised me the most was that um, the WWE had a golden opportunity to establish distinct um, kind of characteristics for both shows. And we talked about this at length last week, whereby perhaps one show could be the more athletic, um, the more in-ring orientated show and the other one could be a bit more of a variety type show where it's more aimed at a mainstream audience that is perhaps less um, kind of obsessed by what goes on in the ring and is also just as uh, interested in entrances and characters and promos and things like that and my view was that Raw could be that show because that's what it traditionally has been and Smackdown could be um, the more work-rate orientated show, which is more focused on the wrestling. And I was surprised that they didn't take that opportunity and that the way that the talents were split across both rosters, um, it very much seemed as though they have no real intention of having any real distinction between Raw and SmackDown. And that's what surprised me the most because I really thought that even if they decide to have um, the stronger names on Raw and the lesser names on SmackDown, which is what ended up happening, um, certainly in terms of trying to create some distinction and divide and have some noticeable differences between the Raw roster and the SmackDown roster, they just thought, you know, that that opportunity was foregone and they chose not to go down that route. And um, not only was a surprise, I was extremely disappointed. You know, one of the things, I've got so much to say about this, but one of the things that stands out to me the most when I look at, um, I've got the Raw and SmackDown picks in front of me along with the numbers at which these talents were chosen. Obviously, this whole thing is laid out ahead of time. I mean, they, you know, this is obviously predetermined, everybody. Hello. I'm sorry if I'm ruining it for any of the kids who may be listening. <laughs> wrestling is predetermined. Is it's it really? Wrestling. Yeah, yes, 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 Mo. Yes, Mark. 
I did. I didn't realize. I was bought. Oh God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, this reminds me. Of, this reminds me when I was six years old and the Ultimate Warrior beat Hulk Hogan, and my father had to tell me that pro, pro wrestling was predetermined just to get me to stop crying. Oh man. Yeah. You're gonna tell me Santa Claus isn't real next? Uh, I might. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what what stands out to me the most here uh, about this, just looking at both sides of the uh, the draft. There's no rhyme or reason to these picks. That's just that's just it. I mean, I, I want to throw some of these things out here. Sheamus, a WWE champion less than a year ago, is drafted 30th. Nia Jax from NXT drafted 25th. Kalisto. Kalisto. Did you see Kalisto's promo on the WWE Network, by the way? It was unbelievable and not in a good way. It was a disaster. It was a dumpster fire. I, I mean, I, I get I get that Kalisto is a tremendous worker. We've raved about Kalisto's work on, on, on this show. But hello, there's something called promo class. I mean, well, yes. and I know people have said, well, well, perhaps English is his second language. OK, I don't give a damn if it's his fifth language. Like you, you, you can still have a competent and coherent promo on live, well, on, on live television or on the network. It was a disaster. Oh, God. He was stumbling over his words in just the most awful and horrible way, like Scott Steiner uh, never like, did. Like, like, like uh, Sid, we're live, pal. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, it was just a, a complete cluster of a promo. And, uh, you know, it perhaps explains why they very rarely have him out there cutting promos. But, I mean, there's no excuse. I mean, this is a guy who's born and raised in the United States. He's... Um, you know, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, and um, so he's lived his whole life in the United States. It's not as if um, he recently moved from Mexico into the U.S. Um, so it, it, there was no excuses for absolutely destroying the English language with an absolutely horrible promo that was mocked relentlessly for hours on end um, on Twitter and other social media. Um, and rightfully so, it, it was terrible. And you know, if anything, you'll probably get um, ribbed about it on 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 TV, um, you know, in the coming weeks because it was that bad. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a very strange kind of randomly generated list of um, names that were churned out on TV. Oh yeah, and, I mean, here's uh, here, here's here's a few more. Not to cut you off, but just to illustrate my point further, Darren Young, who got a huge win on SmackDown. They're building Darren Young with Bob Backlund right now. He goes 36th. The Big Show goes 23rd. The Big Show. I don't. I can't even remember the last time I saw The Big Show do anything relevant on television. Okay? The Usos are drafted 32nd. Um, Sami Zayn. I take nothing away from Sami Zayn, but Sami Zayn drafted 11th. But the Dudley Boys drafted 42nd. Mojo Rawley gets drafted, but... The elephant in the room, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. I've got a ton of Twitter questions about him. Shinsuke Nakamura is told to stay in Orlando. We don't need you. Well, that was quite a surprise for some. I actually didn't think he would be drafted at this stage. Um, you know, it's not been that long, what, three months since he debuted, four months? Um, let's be, but I mean, let's be fair. He didn't need to be in NXT to begin with. Oh, no. I mean, he's arguably the best talent in the company. Yeah, um, you know he's he's an I immense. I can make that argument. I know you can. 
Oh yeah, God. Um, you know, he's been proving it for years in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, he's a magnificent world-class talent and um you know there was really no need to send him into the developmental territory because there isn't a great deal for him to develop he's he's the finished article um but as i say he's only been in the nxt for three months four months and um i think that perhaps they intend to build his um, eventual debut and uh, make it something special rather than um, include it amongst various other um, announcements that were on on, on this show, and, and I suppose the same can be said of Bailey. That was pro- probably the, the the second. Well, for most it'll be the biggest surprise, but for me it was probably the second biggest surprise was that um, Bailey wasn't announced um, as being allocated to Raw or SmackDown, and um, huge people, huge number of people, were shocked and surprised by that because. Um, she seemed an absolute certainty to be drafted up. She's had a fantastic run in NXT, has become a very popular talent over there. Um, but again, some of the people online are speculating that perhaps, like Nakamura, um, they want to treat her debut as something special as well, not just throw her name amongst various other names on this uh, draft special. And um, it could be that after SummerSlam, on the Raw or the SmackDown, um, she'll make her debut at that point um, next month. And if that's the case, then I haven't got a big problem with that. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it was a shame in a way that she wasn't announced then, but I'm, I'm sure that announcement can't be far off. I mean, she well, she's ready to come up. Let me challenge that a little bit, though, because isn't that isn't that the point? Of, wasn't that supposed to be the point of the draft? And I think that's where a lot of the fume um, and a lot of the upset or angry fans are coming from their perspective is that this draft was supposed to be special. It was supposed to be the beginning of a new era. I mean, you could take Michael Cole's words for it when he said um, that this was going to change the WWE forever. But in fact, it didn't really change a whole hell of a lot of anything other than the fact that SmackDown um, and Raw have exclusive talents to both of their brands. But the majority of those talents, with the exception of Nia Jax, Finn Balor, um, Alexa Bliss, Mojo Raleigh and Carmella, um, I guess in American Alpha as well. Other than those th- those players, which are being separated between two brands, nothing else has changed. I mean, nothing else has changed at all. I mean, for crying out loud, the Ascension was a part of this draft. So, well, so, so how much somewhere. has really changed here? Um, yeah, it, as I said before, they really needed to take advantage of the opportunity that they created for themselves by going down this route of having this brand split and creating something really special with a very distinguishable Raw and a distinguishable SmackDown, which are different to each other um, and which can potentially appeal to different audiences. And instead, what they've got is two brands that essentially appeal to the exact same audience. So run, give themselves an opportunity to branch out to um, lapse fans who no longer watch the product for whatever reason, or to try and entice new fans into um, the WWE by kind of offering something a bit more broad and varied than they currently do. Um, they've decided to stick with the, a tried and trusted formula. And, um, you know, that tried and trusted formula has been something that's been delivering ever decreasing ratings over the last several years. And, you know, if their intention was to use this as a way in which to try and reverse that ratings momentum and to try and increase ratings for Raw and SmackDown, um, 
then I'm very doubtful that the mission was accomplished in that regard. Yeah, and let me just point out a few other um, highlights or lowlights of mine, if you will, from this draft. Uh, besides, you know what we've already mentioned, which is the Ascension being drafted. Um, Carmella was not drafted to the same show as Enzo and Cass. Uh, really doesn't make much sense to me at all. Uh, I, if you want her to stand alone as a star, there's plenty of time to do that later on. She should be with Enzo and Big Cass, so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens also picked for Raw. Two guys that I thought would have been perfect to be for SmackDown. Um, I, I that, that, that I didn't understand. Uh, choices like Dolph Ziggler going to SmackDown when you had an opportunity to put a Kevin Owens or a Sami Zayn there. Um, that was weird. I don't know what they're going to do with Bray Wyatt over there, uh, considering. Uh, so that's another thing. Um, you have two of the most popular tag teams, the New Day and Enzo and Cass. You have the two most popular female wrestlers in the company right now, Charlotte and Sasha Banks, all on Monday Night Raw. And then on top of that, SmackDown is being billed as the show that's going to provide opportunity to youth. Um, and it's going to be this heavy, this wrestling-heavy based product um, for the future. Except its first four picks are wrestlers, where three of the four of them are 39 years old, 39 years old, and 36 years old. One of them being John Cena, who at any time now could become a part-time wrestler. So, again, there are some that would argue that by virtue of having John Cena, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and Dean Ambrose on SmackDown, that that evens out the talent that will exist on Raw. But I, I, I just cannot agree with that when you consider the fact that Raw had more picks and Raw has stronger star power, in my opinion, even with the likes of John Cena being on SmackDown. Well, that's right. I mean, there's so many... How did they There's get so this so? Flaws. How did they get this so ass backwards? Because, like I said, this was planned, right? <laughs> well, it's not as if they decided two weeks out that okay, let's go and do this brand split thing. This is something that they announced publicly, um, what a good two months ago now. Um, yeah, it was a number of weeks ago. Yeah, and I'm sure that even well in advance of that, they were talking about this because I believe it was... Well, they were talking about this US before WrestleMania, uh, Mo. They were talking about this before Mania happened, and that was back in April. Well, yes, indeed. And that you know that's over three months ago. And um, even before that, I'm pretty sure that it was the USA Network that in, initiated the whole thing because they were keen for SmackDown's ratings to increase. And uh, the USA Network's ratings themselves more generally haven't been... Um, in the healthiest of states. So they've thought that the WWE normally delivers good ratings for them and perhaps um, trying to do something with SmackDown by turning it live and doing other special things with it uh, might help to make it more of a ratings winner than it normally is. Um, so given that, you know, in the fact that they've perhaps had, you know, at least four months to plan for this, it's really underwhelming um, and then some. It's, it's just... Uh, a very confusing and bizarre, um, you know, end result. And, and that's so disappointing. Um, but in some ways, you could almost say it's not really unexpected because when it comes to, you know, making the big calls and making the big decisions, um, the WWE these days um, often gets it wrong uh, more often than it gets it right. And um, 
the other, the other thing that really annoyed me was, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, decision to split the women's division. Um, you know, that was a division I thought was starting to build some momentum as a single unified division. Uh, but at the same time, I thought there wasn't quite the depth of talent there um, to make it work as two separate divisions across Raw and SmackDown. And, of course, that's exactly what they've gone and done. And if you look at the rosters for Raw and SmackDown's women's divisions... No, I, it's not, not even comparable. I mean, the, the SmackDown roster just looks absolutely awful. I mean, we've, I got, mean, we've, got, we've got Becky Lynch, who I love, but let's be honest, Becky Lynch has been taking a lot of pinfalls recently. Uh, yeah. You have Natalia, who, um, you know... At, had one or two moments with Charlotte where they made it seem like she'd get close, but come on here. Um, we've got Alexa Bliss, who's coming up from NXT. We have Carmella, who's coming up from NXT. And then we have your favorite female wrestler in the company, Eva Marie. So. Well, yeah. Um, Eva's, um, you know, uh, certainly somebody I'm, I'm very fond of, but, um, you know, not for anything wrestling related. Um, hey, to yeah, be fair, it, she did not botch at WrestleMania. Okay, so I got to give her that. You have to give her credit for that. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's just uh, such a weak roster. It, it's as weak a roster of any division in the history of the WWE. I mean, Alexa Bliss is, um, you know, somebody who's come on in leaps and bounds actually on NXT in the last, you know, six to nine months, but, you know, still far off being, you know, a top class female worker. Uh, Becky Lynch obviously is, is good. Um, Carmella is is somebody who I felt wasn't quite ready actually. Um, you know she's certainly a great character. Um, you know around you know Cass and Enzo, but um, as a worker she's still got a huge amount of development. That's it. I mean that's it. She's a wonderful valet. Yeah. She's a wonderful manager with the opportunity of being a worker in the women's division in the future, mm. but she's nowhere close to where she needs to be to be on her own marooned on the SmackDown Island because that's where that's, she is. Well, yeah, I mean, she's actually not much better than Eva Marie. And there's so many people that think Eva Marie has no business in the WWE ring, never mind on the main roster, not even in NXT. And that's how poor people think she is. And they may have a point. But, um, you know, I, I don't pay much attention to her work. Uh, I pay attention to other things. Naomi, um, you know, she she's actually a decent talent. Work. Her mic work. Uh, yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah, she's good on the stick. Um, Naomi is is somebody who I think is actually a decent worker and in, in, in some ways is underrated. But, uh, you know, she's somebody that 99% of the fan base couldn't give a shit about. She gets hardly any reaction. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's in some ways quite similar for Natalia because, um, you know, she's a very good worker. But... Um, she just doesn't connect with the crowd, and um, she gets lukewarm reactions at best. So she's another one that isn't really over. The only one that you could say is some way close towards being over is Becky Lynch. And, um, you know, if that's the most over female and the most recognizable one on that female roster on SmackDown, then that division is in serious trouble before it's even begun. And the only way to salvage this situation is to get Bailey over onto SmackDown um, to head up that roster um, sooner or later, because if she doesn't come over, then that division is going to sink without a trace. And I just don't see any way that can be successful. 
I mean, unless the unless all they're doing all of this just so that they can help build Becky Lynch, uh, present her with a tremendous division that she's down. Which, by the way, I do not think is the reason why they're doing this. Uh, I don't know the reason why they're doing this, but I don't think it's that. Um, other than that, it doesn't really it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. It, it really doesn't. Um, so I don't. No, know. it doesn't. Uh, yeah, I mean. The one thing we talked about last week and what I felt was a good idea was to have separate tag team divisions, though. Um, so that, that they have actually managed to achieve that and um, have got a good five or six teams across Raw and SmackDown each. So that, that's good to see. And I'd like to see, um, you know, some, you know, good progression with the likes of the Vorda Villains on SmackDown. I think that the opening is there for them to do something um and come out of the shadow of the likes of Cass and Enzo um, over on SmackDown. So, so, you know, it gives an opportunity for teams like that. And obviously, um, American Alpha are, um, you know, very likely to be a prominent feature of the tag team division on SmackDown. And I'd be surprised if they aren't the focal point of that roster because, as we've seen on SmackDown, oh, sorry, on NXT for quite a while now, um, they're a fantastic act. And um, if they aren't um, the focal point of the tag team roster, then, you know, that's even more reason to be worried. But, um, you know, I, I, the, the one thing that encourages me is that um, the former, you know, NXT head writer, um, a chap by the name of Ryan Ward, is a guy who's now writing SmackDown. And judging by the Cesaro promo, where he was visibly kind of, disappointed and almost upset that he wasn't drafted SmackDown. I think a lot of the more, um, you know, talented workers were actually quite keen to work for him, um, feeling that, you know, he'll perhaps do a better job of booking them and putting them over than perhaps the uh, writers on the Raw side. Um, so, you know, for those talented workers that have ended up on SmackDown, they're probably quite glad. But those likes of Cesaro, possibly even Sami Zayn and um, Kevin Owens might be slightly disappointed that they've ended up on Raw. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I have to agree. I mean, um, I, I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see how this thing shakes out. i got to be optimistic, at least to a certain extent here, and say that perhaps – and I've got a question on this, which we'll get to later. Uh, uh, perhaps part of – the way this has been structured is to create this underdog mantra from which SmackDown can operate under. And um, th because there, 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 there must be some sort of rhyme or reason uh, to why this is happening uh, and, and why this draft shook out the way that it did. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to our social media bag this week. Um, so before we get there, we have to address WWE battleground, which is coming up this weekend. Um, and so we're, we're headed into battleground now. This is the last time I think that we're going to see these interpromotional contests, except for uh, the, the larger pay-per-views. Uh, have you heard any more about that at all? Because from what I understand, they're going to be moving to a format of two special events a month. Yes, that's what I'd heard. And um, it's about two months ago, I think I saw some dates um, of the potential shows for Raw and SmackDown. And um, it's pretty much every two weeks, I think, um, except for months when they've got the bigger shows where both brands will come together, like the SummerSlam, WrestleMania, the Rumble, etc. Um, but that certainly seems to be the plan going forward. So as well as five hours of 
TV, um, whether it's USA Networks, Sky Sports, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, you'll have at least one hour of NXT on the WWE Network, possibly um, a separate show like Cruiserweight Classic, and then you'll have every couple of weeks three hours of um, uh, a pay-per-view type show on the Sunday. So, good grief, that's uh, a lot of wrestling to be keeping up with. It's overkill on a monthly basis. It's overkill. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we talk about talents being kept special, and one of the reasons why Brock Lesnar and even Paul Heyman um, come across as special acts is because we are not overexposed to them. If we saw them week in, week out, you know, 50 weeks a year, then I, I dare say they wouldn't be coming across as um, interesting and as engaging as they do um, because we only see them on a part-time basis. Um, but again, you know, this is another floor that we've talked about at length in the past um, in terms of how the WWE books its product that everyone has to be on TV every week um, throughout the year and um, whilst that happens then you know the superstars will all collectively feel a bit less special than they should well, you know, it's interesting because I did a podcast earlier today, uh, Cheap Plug at OpinionPodcast.com with Brad Gilmore, and we actually talked about uh, – I brought up the fact that I thought – and I did I did think at the time that this would actually help with the overexposure of some of the talents. But in retrospect, I think all this is doing is it's just increasing their exposure. It's just – it's increasing it in a different way because if you've got four shows a month – and theoretically, a lot of the big stars were just doing the four Raws a month. They really weren't appearing on SmackDown anyway. A few of them were, but, you know, the John Cena's of the world and stuff like that were not as much. Um, and then you also have events for each brand. Then there they are working at least five dates a month, which is just – it's still just – it's it's nuts. It is, and, um, you know, because each – brand has got a smaller roster what it also means is that um we'll be seeing more of the same matches take place over and over so if you take again the women's division on either raw or smackdown you know if you've only got six or seven um members of that division um you know on the women's side then there's only so many different types of combinations of matches you can do um same with the tag team division as well and even with the male uh, singles division, you know, if you've got a roster of only, you know, 20 or so singles competitors compared to 40 or 50, then again, the different types of combinations of matches you can have, again, is, is severely limited. So, Which is why they're going to have to bring up more people from NXT. It's inevitable. They'll certainly have to have a increased um, turnover of talent. Um, but obviously, by doing that, it means that, perhaps less uh, tenure for guys and girls who come into the main roster in that, you know, after maybe two or three years, they might feel very uh, stale and it might seem that we've seen everything we can out of them because they've done everything they can on their TV shows and they'll have to almost feature on a weekly basis. Whereas, you know, if you're picking out of a roster of, you know, 60 or 70 talents, then, um, you know, you can rotate them a, a bit more. So, um you know, that, that's another downside to going down this route. And, um, you know, there was speculation in the last few weeks about WWE approaching some of its uh, former veteran uh, performers, and we didn't see a single one, did we? No, no. Again, and that, that goes back to the missed opportunities that we talked about in the draft. I mean, 
it would have been nice to see a couple of big, big unexpected names show up. It would it would have been awesome to see Kurt Angle drafted to SmackDown, and 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 us not know about it. I mean, though again, that's what I mean when I said you know this. It, this, this was special from the presentation standpoint because the presentation, the way that WWE produces its shows, nobody can argue that they don't have the best television production maybe in all of sports. I mean, it's certainly up there. So the presentation I can't, I can't um, criticize. But what I can't criticize and what a lot of people are criticizing is the lackluster and nonsensical um, way this draft was laid out. And it just really, it really left something to be desired, and that's an understatement. I mean, so yeah, I mean that those there were some missed opportunities there. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, I can give WWE one bit of credit, and that is to say that at least they're trying to do something a bit different here. Um, and if we think back to you know Raw earlier this year, or even late last year. Um, it really, really wasn't interesting in the slightest. I mean, we were struggling on this pod to try and talk in an interesting way about these shows when um, the truth was they weren't interesting at all. And whilst, you know, we, we've got a lot of negative um, feelings about various aspects of the draft and how it went down, um, you know, there, there's still plenty of opportunity and scope for them to, you know, still surprise us and make things um, quite interesting, even with the roster seemingly having been separated into Raw and Smacked in a very haphazard way. Um, you know, we, we potentially still have some you know, fresh kind of views and angles um, and all types of scenarios that they can pursue, which may maybe you might not have seen if it was just a single roster. So, um, you know, that, that's why I, I am disappointed by what we saw on Tuesday. Um, but I'm willing to give the WWE um, an opportunity to prove themselves and to s demonstrate that actually they, they are doing doing something different. And um, you know, let, let's see it after Battleground if uh, you know Raw and SmackDown are entertaining <laughs> you know what this shows. Is like, you know what this is like? This <laughs> this is like being in a bad relationship. Except you've been <laughs> with the person for so long that you're like, damn it, I can't leave her. You know, but but at the same time, you're like, how much longer am I going to put up with this? That's what being a fan of WWE is like. Well, it is. It is. Yes, um, it is. You know, we one know day you come home from work, Mo, your clothes are out on the lawn and you're like, what the hell did I do this time? You know, and it's just <laughs> Stephanie pitching a fit once again. Yeah. I'm sure she's prone to do. Um, no, I mean, you're quite right. It, it's it's. A frustrating thing being a fan of this promotion um, because we can all see the potential that's there. I mean, the the roster. Obviously, these are the best talents in the world. You know, yeah. You know, they've got such a deep roster between the main roster and NXT. They've got so much talent. Arguably, the deepest talent pool they've ever had. Certainly, you could argue. Well, maybe in terms of characters and personalities, there've been times in the past when they've certainly had a stronger roster, but when it comes to being able to deliver in the ring, I can't recall a time when it's been as good as it is now. Yeah, because uh, because in the past, they let those personalities develop. If you go back and you listen to the story of The Rock and how he developed as a character, he was given a piece of advice 
by Bruce Pritchard, and that piece of advice was that it's easier for you to ask for permission or to ask for forgiveness, excuse me, than it is to ask for permission. Uh-huh. So The Rock went out there, and he didn't do what they gave him on the script anymore. He did his thing. He developed a character for himself. Stone Cold Steve Austin, completely and totally, 100%, an organic star, allowed him to develop his character and be who he is, an extension of himself. And today in this overscripted, inauthentic era of professional wrestling or sports entertainment or whatever you want to call it that we see, so many of these players – are not allowed to go out there and do that, or they are too timid to put pressure back on the writers and say, I'm not going to participate in this crap. I think it's, I think, and I've said this before, I think it's a big reason why Roman Reigns has failed to achieve the level of success WWE hoped he would as a babyface. It's because people aren't buying what he's selling, because what he's selling isn't himself. He's selling the image they've created for him, which just doesn't fit. And, 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 and that's – I think there's – I agree with you. I think there's a ton of talent on this roster. There's a ton of potential on this roster. But sometimes they got to let these guys and these women go out there and develop their character on television. The way it's always been done, the time-honored tradition of the business, these guys don't, don't, don't run through the territories anymore and develop their craft. So they have to do it here on television, and they're not being granted that opportunity most of the time. Well, that's right. It's um, no. It adds to the frustration that you know we can see. You know, some of these talents go out elsewhere and um, look like completely different types of uh, personalities and workers. And you know, we we've talked about this in the past. Alberto Del Rio, uh, when he was Alberto El Patron in Lucha Underground, um, seemed like a completely different type of um, talent. Certainly, ooh, star power. And presence, and you know he's now jobbing to the likes of Zack Ryder on WWE TV, and he's you know his face is like thunder every week now because you know he he, he looks so fed up about being in this company, um, and on top of that they split him up from his girlfriend, um, so she's on <laughs> Raw, he's on SmackDown, and I'm sure they did it just to troll these two, um, and probably the same. Um, as to why they've kept Carmella and Big Cass separate as well. Um, you know, it's WWE being mischievous and um, trying to fool around with certain relationships as a sometime are prone to doing. Um, I, I just but, don't think that he and Paige would ever work as a couple long-term anyway. I mean, come on, she's not his type. <laughs> it certainly seems like an odd couple. I mean, there's what a good 15, 16 year age gap as well. Yep. Um, yeah, it's um, it, it's certainly uh, one that caught a lot of people by surprise. But she and I uh, have much more in common. I, I I really do believe that. Oh yeah, I'm sh- I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure of that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's um, it, it's something that you know. She, if if uh, Total Divas is anything to go by, it's probably something that won't last. Um, more than a few months, and then um, <laughs> I wouldn't use shoot. Total Divas as the measuring stick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you never know, Matt. You might be next. So um. yeah, I mean, I hope so. Make sure to check out part two of this podcast, in which Mo Chatra and myself make our predictions for WWE Battleground. And in addition to that, we answer your Twitter questions and respond to your comments regarding the WWE draft. That is all still to come in part two of episode 31 
on the Pro Wrestling Index. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.